morning, everybody. It's April 29th, 2022. I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR. Thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Verbella. Our guest today, Steve Sinclair of Mojo Vision. Ted, I'm excited about this one. These are the folks who make the AR contact lenses. And I tried it last time they were in town last month, and it works. Yeah, this it is really one, works. This is one you've seen before me because I have yet to see it, uh, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, and uh, you know, we're obviously tracking this stuff very closely. That's... Yeah, it's um, you control it through your gaze direction. Hmm. Um, it is it is really weird, but also very strangely exciting. But you you haven't actually had it put in your eye yet, right? You're looking. No, they have a tool. Device. They have a tool that allows you to get as close as possible without touching. So it's like a surgical instrument that you lay against sort of the outside of your eyelid. Um, and then you get it as close as possible. It's a pretty great simulation of what it would be like. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw a full color video. I had was able to scroll through, you know, text as if I was, you know, had a personal teleprompter. I mean, the, you know, they're, they're looking at actual applications with the athletes. So let's 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 save that for Steve, but I'm okay. should be a great conversation. So in the news this week, Ted, lots of stories, none overwhelmingly huge, unless you're talking about billions of dollars. But uh, the company formerly known as Facebook reported its earnings, which you know shattered the company last quarter when they mm -hmm. missed growth projections. Uh, and revenue projections because of the changes in uh, Apple's search algorithm or Apple's um, uh, yeah, uh, privacy algorithm. Your opt-in, opt-out stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it absolutely crushed Instagram uh, and Facebook as well. Right. Um, you know, it's amazing how many... Oh, so they announced yesterday and they came a little bit closer. It was not as dire... Their stock went up 20%. Yeah. Uh, their revenue. So I wanted to talk about their XR uh, revenue in particular. Um, sorry, I'm having a little problem with my. Yeah, so, what happened? Here. <laughs> so um, yeah, they were up 30% on, uh, on revenue in the XR area. So they made $695 million in Q1 this year. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, of course, costs are rising quickly uh, for the Facebook Reality Lab. So those were up 62%, offsetting it. And Zuckerberg said something interesting. Uh, he thinks they may not really be yielding a substantial profit from XR until the 2030s. Yeah, which is in line with what you and I talk about, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is the decade of growth, but um, you know, that's a lot of investment for them to sustain. Right. Well, you know, if we if we look at it from a time time frame perspective, when you and I started really talking and interfacing a lot on this 2013 2014 time frame, now we're roughly to that 10 year mark. Yeah, we did say it was going to take 10 years. Um, well, I did. I mean, yeah. I, I know I, I, I said this is kind of where the first arc of this will be. Uh, and, you know, now we're seeing essentially profitability across the board. Uh, but as you say, you know, expenses are still ex extraordinarily high with this. So when we get to the 2030s, we'll be sort of in that next juncture. So it, it makes total, total sense in the timeline that I've always been talking to people about. 
So they uh, they opened a retail store. Uh, yes. It's, I think it's adjacent to their campus. Right near their campus, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess you go there to demo the Quest if you don't have a friend who owns one. And then they're doing something with the Smithsonian. I talked to a number of developers this week. I mean, they are pushing hard to, you know, it's like the beginning of the web, right? They are pushing hard to get people to make content, to enable them to make content. You're putting together teams and companies that they're essentially spinning up with their money. So it shows you, yeah, their expenses are high, but look at everything they're doing. Every week we have, you know, three, four stories having to do with Meta. Look, they partnered with the Smithsonian to create a VR moonwalk, which, you know, of course makes incredible sense and, and could be really exciting, you know, location-based setting. So it's just story after story after story. You know, they are spending the $10 billion to make something. Right. I mean, they committed to this and they're, they're making good on it. They, the Moonwalk Smithsonian stuff is really interesting. It's large scale. It's, you know, they're, it, it adds pieces to the legitimacy of this. It adds more understanding and user base to it. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about that, that, that piece of the puzzle. I think it's really interesting. So another company that's talking about the 2030s is Snap. Hmm. Uh, they, they just introduced a, a new toy, uh, which I cannot wait to get my hands on, called the Pixie. A little micro drone, right? <laughs> it's a micro drone. And uh, it has very short battery life. It only takes 60 second videos, no sound, but it's less than $300. Mm -hmm. so, and, it, and it sort of is your personal little like uh, kind of floating, it's very science. Yeah, Evan, Evan Spiegel described it as having Tinkerbell as your photographer. Yeah, yeah. So it's either, it's either, you know, a utopian interest or very black mirror, depending on how you want to look at it, right? So, um, they announced that they are reaching 600 million people a month, uh, three quarters of them, 13 to 24. Mm -hmm. So this is a company, in my opinion, that has a lot of growth ahead of it. And do you think that um, we're going to see something interesting as a second gen uh, wearable AR product from them? Well, they have one. Um, and, and I actually tried it. It, it is, um, I thought it would be pass-through because that's their bread and butter, but it is actually see-through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's got, you know, it, it recognizes snap codes right now. That's the, that's the first one that they released, right? They, that's the current one. Yeah, that's, I was just that, curious. That's if you the think developer that, version that's out there. I was just curious if you think that there's a, that they believe there's a future for this. And you're I don't think they think it's a consumer product. No, no, I don't think anybody does. It, it's, you know, it's very much a developer version. Uh, the, the videos I've seen of the content is amazing, uh, but the demo is, is kind of mad. It was like magically kind of demo. So much, much better form factor, obviously, but uh, still they're, you know, they're not expecting to do anything much this decade except develop technology and develop content. Yeah, which again is this long trajectory, right? People I would not be surprised. It. I would not be surprised at all if they ended up joining forces with Niantic. Mm. Um, we'll see. That would be a very big, hard to swallow thing. Uh, so, uh, Tribeca Film Festival announces right. its immersive lineup. Uh, they're going to have 21 experiences this year, they'll have a live version curated in New York, which I will not see for the first time in seven years, but they are having a number of them. And last year, it was a majority of them in the Museum of Other Realities, where you, know, you, pay, you pay a 
you know, one ticket price and you have a timed admission. So you have mm -hmm. to kind of choose what you want to see or you have to keep buying. The Tribeca uh, Film Festival is expensive, but this is Museum of Other Realities is the least expensive. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, they pioneer stuff that you're unlikely to see anywhere else. You know, it's really artistic stuff, really edgy stuff, sometimes stuff for devices like the HoloLens. And, you know, you're often not going to see those things going to places like the Quest, right? They go to museums, they go to universities, they go to art galleries, but they don't, you know, they tend to be PC based. Mm -hmm. um, there was the Changing Same, which won the Tribeca Film Festival last year, is actually available uh, in the Quest store for free. Uh, and it is a very, very powerful and artistic uh, statement about racism. So yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I encourage people to see that. Um, moving on, there were two uh, notable acquisitions this week. Um, there's a company called Womp. They haven't launched yet, but it's a female founded company. Uh, it, they secured almost $5 million uh, for cloud-based 3D software, that sounds to me like Gravity Sketch, yeah. right? Which we talked about, uh, as well as the Autodesk acquisition of the Wild. Yes. So it's an emerging space with uh, you know lots of competition. So yeah, and that and that is still a lot of money. Uh, and then Axon Enterprises, famous for making the Taser, mm -hmm. has purchased a VR company uh, called Foundry Forty Five to bolster its training business, I presume, around the taser. Yeah. Since, since I, I guess it is, uh, uh, you know, still new technology and, and people are learning how to use it. So, I mean, VR makes sense, right? You just send send a headset loaded with the experience. It's only 300 bucks. So, it, you know, you can widely distribute training material. Um, and I think that that's happening more and more often to remote teams. Right. Interesting that, you know, the company chose to buy a VR development team as opposed to just outsource right. and call Tailspin or one of the companies that we know that yeah. does VR training. They went a whole nother level and said, well, this is going to be an important part of our future. So maybe we should just buy this company and build it into our whole, you know, working system of how you train to use these devices, these obviously potentially dangerous devices, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think that's interesting, you know, even with the uh, pending uh, recession, uh, people are still investing in XR. We've had some big announcements uh, earlier in the spring from Epic and others. So obviously continues to be viewed as a high growth category uh, for venture capital. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, venture capital, Enreal, which has raised several hundred million dollars, is bringing uh, it's Enreal Light smart uh, uh, AR glasses to uh, the UK. Right, right. So they continue to they continue to chop away at this monster, right? And and continue to have probably more scale and more deliverables than really any other true, um, you know, view through mixed reality device. Um, you and I have been tracking them and spending a lot of time with them since the very beginnings of their uh, their journey, and uh, they keep raising significant capital. Um, you know, not. Also kind of interesting in the order of the, the big tech giants uh, self-funding their, their properties, um, we look at hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, going into Enreal every year or so. Um, and that's still fairly modest considering what they're actually accomplishing with it. Um, 
So it's one to definitely keep an eye on. So it looks like we have at least part of Steve's team uh, in the waiting room, so we will admit them. Our guest today is Steve Sinclair. He's the SVP of product and marketing at Mojo Vision, which, as we said at the top of the show, is making those AR contact lenses. Good morning, Steve, and thanks for coming on the show with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about Mojo Vision. Obviously, Ted and I know what it is, but I, I suspect our listeners. Uh, yeah, well, Mojo's. Yeah, Mo Mojo's all about trying to create uh, an augmented reality smart contact lens. You've seen it in the movies. You've seen it um, in sci-fi for years and years. And uh, we've put together a team. Uh, we've been at this for five or six years now. And we're at the point where we've got prototypes that, that work, that we can, that we can actually prove uh, that it is possible to build something like this. So uh, that's what we're doing. And is it thin enough to actually sit on the eye? Where's the electronics in? Yeah, so we embed it all into a, into a contact lens called a scleral lens. Lens is a slightly larger, rigid uh, contact lens. It's a great platform for embedding electronics inside of it. It is thicker than your standard contact lens, but we've been working really hard to miniaturize all the components that need to go into it so that we can uh, create, the, create the experience that we want with a really small, tiny micro LED display, with a radio, with eye tracking motion sensors built into it, um, battery power, all of that, we're able to fit into that, into that lens. Where, so, where, how much battery power does it have? Well, right now, not a lot. Uh, it, it's uh, in, on the order of minutes in the prototype that we're building right now. But our goal is to get it to, you know, uh, several hours of continuous use, which, as you all know, when you're using your smartphone or your smartwatch, you don't use it constantly. So you're able to stretch that out throughout the day. So, so Steve, let's, let's back up a couple of steps, um, because I think a lot of people are very curious what your inspiration was to do this and maybe your story arc for what you did before this that led you to this moment of this is where I think uh, my path forward should be. I think it because it's a very unique thing that you're doing that is not uh, probably even, you know, well understood outside of science fiction movies and, and right. things like that, bringing something yeah. like this to reality. So maybe give us a couple of steps as to what your journey was like to get to starting this company. Sure. Well, some of it's not about me. It's about uh, a couple of our founders that uh, uh, you know created Mojo Vision six years ago. One of them is uh, Dr. Michael Deering, who was head of 3D graphics at Sun Microsystems for many, many years, an early pioneer in AR and VR. Um, and he wanted to build the world's most ultimate display. And from his understanding of how you know the science worked and, and vision science in particular, he came to the conclusion that the best place to put the display was as close to the eye as possible. And so that meant a, a contact lens. And so he started working on this probably a decade before Mojo even started um, trying to figure out how he could do this. In parallel, one of our other co-founders and our CEO, Drew Perkins, who's a serial entrepreneur, has been working in deep tech for years and years and years. Um, he got cataracts in his eyes, and when he had cataract surgery, which is very common surgery, probably one of the most common surgeries in the world. Yeah, I need he, it. Yeah, he, he, got, he got his uh, interocular lenses, uh, you know, the, the crystalline lens in his eye replaced, and his vision was better, but it wasn't as good as he had hoped. And uh, he basically said, why in 
in the 2000s, we don't have Steve Austin, $6 million man, bionic eyes. And so he did a bunch of research to figure out how to, uh, how to do that. He got hooked up with Michael Deering and, and they, started, they started Mojo. Um, I've been in mobility and mobile devices for, for decades now. Um, I worked on the handspring and palm trio smartphone, if you remember that, with the, oh, yeah. one of the earliest smartphones that was on the market that competed with the BlackBerry. Um, pre-iPhone. Um, and I, I worked as a product manager there for, for a number of years. I left there and I went to Apple and joined the iPhone team um, and was product manager for iPhone for, for six years in the early years um, and helped define a lot of the features that you have in your iPhones today um, and, and, and launched that. So that gave me a good baseline for, for, for building something new and, and pushing something new out onto the market. A lot of people said, why would I need to carry a computer in my pocket? I've got one on my desktop. Um, and so we're getting a lot of the same, the, the same reaction to, to this right now. It's like, well, do I really need to have something on my face or on my eye? And I believe it's the natural progression. So, uh, you know, I think for me personally, this is, this is the culmination of a lot of different things. I happened to work on Android at, at Google's wow. Motorola division for a number of years too. And we're, we're bringing it all together into something that's really contextual. And really our goal is to make the tech invisible and what's more invisible than a contact lens that looks normal when you're not using it. Yeah, that, it's really interesting that you came from uh, the, the legacy now of actually understanding the change in form factor and being very early on at the change in form factor before it was mass adopted. And when most people just had yeah. curiosity about, I, I have a computer, it's this thick, it's this wide, it sits on my desk, it's got a big CRT monitor, and now I have laptops and other things, And but why am I gonna carry it in my pocket? And I was very much one of those like early adopters of, of course you're gonna carry it in your pocket when it gets correct enough, because I was a BlackBerry user for many, yeah. many you know, generations before the iPhone and the Android phones came and had realization of its productivity. So I. I get that. Um, I do think that most people will think this is a very significant leap to um, putting something in your eye. And like, the, there's a point being made visually for those that are actually watching this. You're wearing glasses, Charlie, you're wearing glasses. I wear glasses. I have never put a contact lens in my eye, much less an electronic contact lens. Um, so do you guys discuss those kind of, you know, how do we move forward in those, in those gaps of form factor and comfort and how you're going to get people to, to an adoption sort of state of this? Yeah, we, we absolutely talk about it all the time. You're right. I do wear glasses. Um, I had to get glasses when I got older because I got presbyopia, which everyone gets at some point, you know, in their 40s or 50s. Um, and so I started to, to, to wear glasses at that point. I hadn't put contact lenses in my eyes until I joined Mojo either. And, and mm -hmm. so I, I do that now. Um, on, a, on a pretty regular basis for, for testing and such. And, and I can see myself uh, moving to that form factor. But you have to remember that there's hundreds of millions of people in the world today that already choose contact lenses as their primary eye uh, corrective um, vision enhancement tool, right? And so there's, a, there's already a built-in market for this form factor. People choose it because they want to look younger. They want to look like themselves. They do sports or something active. And or they want to wear it under other other um, fashion, and so you know every, if everyone's building glasses, who's building something for all the people that want to wear contact lenses? We don't right. think there's an either or in this equation. There's going to be in the future, all of our eyewear is going to be smart in some way, and people are just going to 
to, to fall into yeah. one of those two camps just like they do today. I totally agree with that. And you're making a really good point that, you know, there's already a built-in market of hundreds of millions, if not billions around the world of people that wear right. contact lenses on a regular basis. So regardless of how long that arc of technology takes to get to the comfort and the size and the usability, there's already a provable market for it, right? So let's we probably make that argument very successfully. But you're just yeah. taking what people are already doing and making it better. Right, right. That's right. And the other thing that we look at when we think about this form factor is, uh, is that when you have power and data in a platform that you can put on someone's eye or close to the body, like the eye, um, it opens up all sorts of possibilities for other medical and health and wellness applications um, that you could eventually build into that platform. You, you, you've, of course, heard of Verily and what they've tried to do with, with uh, blood glucose um, monitoring for, for contact lenses. That didn't work out as well as they had hoped. But there are a lot of efforts being made in trying to create those types of solutions. And so, you know, we see an opportunity to, to take this beyond just augmented reality. That's kind of the, the table stakes for creating a smart contact lens platform. But we're also a medical device company. We're also building the DNA of a, a medical healthcare type company uh, into Mojo so that eventually we can build other capabilities into a platform like this that can, can measure things about yourself that we can only dream of right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the ultimate biometric monitoring device. That's right. There's, there's a lot of sensors that you can put on the eye that could be looking inward into the eye and looking at the back of the retina and, and understanding the onset of different diseases and the different um, uh, conditions that could be coming on, understanding mental states and, and acuity. Um, is, is possible with something like this. Just the eye tracking data alone, uh, you know, can be used to, to understand people's uh, um, states. People are using eye tracking for uh, detecting concussions today, for example, or understanding fatigue or the onset of migraines. And so you, we, we see a very long roadmap beyond just the AR capability. Um, but in the short term, we're focused on, on the vision and the vision health piece. So if we can build a great contact lens that corrects your vision all day long, um, like a normal contact lens, and we can give you information that's useful to you throughout the day and give you superpowers from that standpoint, um, we think we have a good starting place for, for a platform like this. How long have you or your colleagues actually worn the device at this point? Like, what's the... What's uh, not... not not particularly long. We, we've been doing it. We'll, we'll do it for 30 minutes to an hour at a time. We have had um, some of our optometrists and, and some of our internal testers wear longer than that. Um, one of the key elements of building a great contact lens is making sure that your eye gets enough oxygen because it breathes through mm. the air. Um, and so when you're embedding electronics into a, into a contact lens, you have to make sure the oxygen, ox oxygen can still get to get to the eye. And so um, we've been increasing the amount of time that we wear it as we refine the, the, the way that we build the lens so that we make sure that, that you stay healthy with your eyes. Is there a heat issue as well? There actually isn't. Um, we, we're testing for that. We're certainly collecting all the data to prove that's the case. Um, but the components are so small, the power requirements for what we've built are so tiny um, that the lens doesn't, doesn't appreciably heat up in any in any way so it's important that we collect all that info info as i said we are an fda regulated device and we have to take all that body of evidence to the fda and prove to them that it's safe kind of incredible that mojo seems to be 
the only company making this kind of product. Uh, that said, as Ted pointed out at the beginning of the conversation, this is kind of like somebody uh, thought 10 years ago, hey, you know what would be great? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they would have to invent all these things to actually make it even remotely possible. Yeah, well, I just saw which is how all new significant things start, right? I mean, someone's got to take that risk and someone's going to get out on that edge and start to understand how long it takes. Like, as you're talking, I'm thinking the battery challenge has to be a, an enormous challenge that you have to work through. And, um, you know, like, are you going to have to rely on next-gen nano battery technology that's also emerging probably at the same rate as your project is emerging, right? And many years down the road, you'll start to start to figure out that you can do this. Just like now we carry a device in our pocket that sort of powers all day, but we really haven't completely solved that, right? I mean, there's always right. stress points about, you know, the, the amount of power that you need just to drive a, a device that weighs, you know, I don't know, many ounces that sits in your pocket, right? Um, yeah. So that's a really interesting, gonna be a very interesting challenge. Yeah, it's you're, you're right about that as far as the every, every element of the system is at a different level of maturity, um, you know, both from a, both from a technology perspective, uh, as far as how, it, how it's progressed in the world, but also in a systems integration element. I mean, we have to pull all these things together. We initially thought, oh, we'll just, you know, get a bunch of off-the-shelf components and, you know, make sure we, we get the, the lightest and smallest versions of those, and we'll, let's see what we can build. And then we discovered, of course, oh, those don't exist, so we had to invent a lot of it, like the micro-LED display, we invented that. We had to we had to build it ourselves because it just didn't exist in the world. Um, things are starting to catch up, and things are going to get better, and we'll be able to make improvements like that. But you're right; the, all of those pieces are um, they, they have to be they have to you have to work each part of those of each of those problems. Um, as far as competitors, the only one we know of is Wayne Enterprises in in the Batman movie. So <laughs> we're, we're we're just we're. We're waiting to see who else pops up, but but right now it's it's just it's just Bruce Wayne. It's good, love it. It's it's incredible that you guys have raised so much money. I mean, the investors have just, you know, made. I mean, I know that's what venture capital is about, but what a huge leap of faith those guys have taken. Yeah, we've been really fortunate with the with the team of investors that we have. The syndicate that we that we put together has been awesome. They're they're super helpful with. The introductions we need, helping us with the technology and the roadmap, and giving us feedback on what we're building. Um, NEA, in, in particular, who's one of our lead investors, uh, has been amazing. And you know, that's that is what they're there for. They are there to find disruptive ideas, and this is this is one of those ideas. So, how long do you think, Steve? Now, I know you have absolutely no idea, <laughs> no idea when I say this, but how long do you think? Um, you know, it'll be before these sorts of devices uh, start to be commercially available. Well, we, we hope it's sooner rather than later. We hope it's it's fewer years than we put into it. Let's, let's we'll put it that way, um, because we have been working hard on this and, and we, we want to see it, you know, we want to want to see it come into the world. Um, but it, it, it becomes a, a time and money uh, equation like we can we can put more resources into it. I think we can go faster. Um, certainly, there's the FDA and the regulatory side of it that we have to prove that it prove to, to the right folks that it's safe. We have to prove to optometrists that it's safe, and then we have to prove it to the consumers that it's safe. Um, and so, you know, it is going to be a number of years before it becomes mainstream. Um, but just proving that we can do it, um, 
is, is a big piece of it. And then secondly, it's, it's making sure the world's ready for it. And, uh, you know, we, we're rooting for the AR glasses world to, to succeed yeah. because we think that will help us. Um, and uh, so that's, that's important. We want to see Apple or Meta or whomever it's going to be um, bring something out that's useful and, and that people, you know, want to wear. Um, so that's good for us if that, if that happens. Um, and, you know, so we'll, we'll keep pushing that. Yeah, these are step function uh, important parts of the step function logic, right? That if right. there's an ecosystem of value chain, uh, you will get to the right device. And we've seen this before with other forms of compute, which is what you're talking about as a new form of, of compute and, and you know, visual information use case. Um, is there an audio component to this linked with earbuds or something that things will, like with glasses, obviously we can you build the sound yeah. into samples, right? But with something you're wearing in your eye, you have to wear a, a secondary device for, for audio. Is there some advancements or partner companies that you're already talking with on the sound side of this equation for the full AV experience? Yeah, nothing I can announce right now, but certainly audio needs to be a, a, an element of it. Um, but we really don't want to reinvent that. And so you're right, it's, it's, it's going to be more of a partnership conversation mm -hmm. than it's going to be Mojo inventing new, new ways to do audio. We, we, we look at that as somewhat of a solved problem in respect to what we're doing. Um, and so you, you have that aspect of it. Of course, we want to have uh, some level of voice assistance built into it. So, you know, we're fortunate to have investments from uh, Google's Gradient Ventures. So, you know, we have an opportunity to work with the Google team. We have an investment from the Amazon Alexa Fund. So we have an opportunity to work with, with, with them as well. We don't have to invent the the assistant right all, that, those, all that, those other other companion technologies you require that, that, that's right so but the primary way you interact with this device is with your eyes and and charlie had a chance to to try that out yeah so, i was going to bring that up it's 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 your eyes or the operating system your gaze right that's so right we all get i'll get an invite soon i'm waiting i'm waiting with baby <laughs> happy to, to do it happy to do it we're we're it's important for people to see it and, you know, not just talk about it. And so we're, we're trying to, to, to be forthcoming with folks so they can see our journey along the way um, and hopefully, you know, keep us, keep us honest on how, how good the tech is and, and where we're bringing it and where we're taking it and, you know, the types of use cases that we're, we're proposing for it. Well, as you probably know, both Charlie and I are very comfortable with early stage tech uh, <laughs> and uh, have, lived through many lives. I mean, I've built products with early stage tech. Charlie's reported on products forever with early stage tech. So um, yeah. we're, we're, we like this stuff. It's interesting to us. We, you know, we're very comfortable giving things a try. Although uh, I do like the fact that Charlie said, you don't actually have to put it in your eye yet to test it. Because <laughs> I do have some trepidation about that. But if you've done it and you've never worn contacts before that, then my trepidation is already lowered. So that's good. Yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it works and, and you learn how to do it. Um, and there, again, there's going to be millions of people that choose to do it already. So that's not a, right, a not an issue. Right, right, right. So that's uh, all the time we have, Steve. But I want to thank you again for dropping in and talking about Mojo. It's great to ECU. Yes, thank, thank you for having me. Always happy to, to talk about this stuff. And looking forward to showing you the next, the next version of it when it's ready. Like, I can't believe it. That's our show, everybody. Have a great weekend.